the scenes. And uh, I, for one, am very, very grateful that we have the freedoms that we do uh, to worship in Queensland. But John came to us with what I believe was a prophetic word for the church. Now, his audience was pastors, all right? So he wasn't talking to congregations generally. His message was primarily to pastors, but obviously it's going to flow through into all of the congregations that make up ACC in Queensland and the Northern Territory. So there were four main points that he made. The first was this. At this time, this is a critical time in history, in human history, we must take audacious steps of faith. He encourages us to respond to the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And often it is a nudging. You know, you get that little inkling, a little sense that you should be doing something or moving in a particular direction or perhaps taking on a new job or making some other change in your life or maybe uh, getting rid of some sin in your life. In the context of church, he says, taking audacious steps of faith is risky. It always is when we step out from the ordinary and do something which for us is extraordinary. But he says this, if we do nothing, the church will become dead. That it will become nothing but an habitual set of motions where we come to church because we come to church. Church happens every Sunday at 9.30. We sing a couple of songs, we, we listen to a bit of preaching, we have a cup of coffee, and then we go home. That's a dead church. But when we come to church because we anticipate that we are going to see the Spirit at work, we will see signs and wonders. We will see people being healed. We will see people being set free. We will see people who are being commissioned by the Holy Spirit to move out and to fulfill the destiny that God has for them. And when, when you start seeing that, you don't come to church because you come to church. You come to church because of the reality of the Holy Spirit at work within our midst. The second point that John Hunt made was that we need to have an outward focus. Christianity is about community. It's not intended to be something we simply consume as individuals. And you might recall the beginning of last year, I was talking about faith and right at the end of that series, sorry, I was talking about salvation rather, right at the end of the series, I think it went on for three or four weeks, at the end of that series, what, I made this point that sure, there's an element of salvation which is for us. We receive an inheritance and that includes, as Liam said, it includes healing. We have the right to divine health in this life right now. But it's not just individual. 
There's a community aspect to our salvation. Why is that? Because God is interested in whole communities. He's interested in the whole community of the Gold Coast. If we remain inward focused and we can't really think outside of what songs are we going to sing on Sunday or will in fact we have anyone to lead worship on Sunday, that's a real trap for pastors by the way, then we just become insular and actually what that leads to, says John Hunt, we end up becoming legalistic. And we come to church because we're on the roster. Or we come to church because, well, I'm the pastor. That's a stupid reason to go to... For that would be a stupid reason for me to come to church. Because I'm the... I almost came to church this morning just because I was the pastor. Because I was pretty tired. I got up at half past five to sort of go over my notes and all that sort of jazz. And I'm thinking, you know what? I... I don't really feel like it. I don't really feel like it. Until I really, I, I started, actually I started flicking through all these YouTube videos and, 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 and then started reading through these notes. In a sense, I had to cheer myself up. Because if, 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 if I come to church because I'm your pastor, I've had it. And I, I've missed God's call on my life. I've missed my destiny. Because God cares about not just me, He cares about the community. You see, if I, go, if, if I just come to church because I'm the pastor, I've suddenly made it a legalistic thing, right? I'm just conforming to a set of behaviours or to a set of rules, regulations, a set of norms even. And that's not what our faith is about. Having an outward focus, having... And I to the community keeps us on the edge of grace, according to John Hart. It keeps us away from legalism. You know, we've all been in churches where you've been told you've got to come to every service on a Sunday and you've got to come to a midweek service and you've got to be in a connect group and if you're a leader, you've got to do this and you've got to do that. That's just legalism. It really gets nobody anywhere. The third point, and this, I love this. This was probably the, the, the most encouraging, energising thing I heard at the conference. His third point was, God is not running out of ideas. <laughs> I love it. There is abundance. There's an abundance of God ideas. Sometimes we might think, I don't know what to do. I've done all I can. I don't think there's any more I can do. But God never runs out of ideas. And as a church, as a body corporate, we need to tap into Him. What's your next idea for us? What do you want us to do next? Your ideas. He is not running out of ideas and the fourth point was this and remember this was really a prophetic statement to us as pastors but it will be outworked within our congregations 
John Hunt says we need to have a ferocious commitment uh, to and confidence in the truth. That's where it is. A ferocious commitment to the truth and a confidence in the truth. Because that will get us through a lot of challenges in our personal lives and corporately. We need truth as opposed to lies. And there are plenty of lies around. We need truth as opposed to deception. And we need truth as opposed to fantasy. That is, if you like, wishful thinking. Everything we do needs to be grounded in the truth. And, you know, with elections looming in Queensland, for example, we, we need to do everything we can to find out whether the candidates who are putting themselves forward in our own electorate are people who are living, believing, and who will vote according to the truth of the Word of God. And frankly, you're not going to find many like that. And you probably need to vote for the person who is least likely to undermine God's truth. But more about that shortly. So those four prophetic points were the points that John Hunt made to us at the conference. We must take audacious steps of faith. We must have an outward focus. We must see ourselves as serving our community. God is not running out of ideas and we are to have a ferocious commitment to and confidence in the truth. Wayne Alcorn is the national president of ACC. He's the pastor at um, Hope. I think they call themselves Hope Central now. Church based in Brisbane. They've got about five campuses uh, in, the, in the general Brisbane area as well. And uh, he, he introduced his uh, statement to us by saying, we are in a time of recalibration. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff going on uh, in the world, certainly with the COVID-19 pandemic. That's brought a lot of change, but there's a lot of stuff happening politically as well. Uh, we're seeing in particular in the United States this kind of cleavage on political lines which is doing great harm to the nation. His message resonated with us because just last Saturday week we were at a prophetic conference where the theme was God is about to do a relaunch. So you see God speaks to people all over about what he's doing. So we're in a season of recalibration and uh, Wayne asks a rhetorical question, could we be being called back to God's vision? Could we be being called back to God's vision? What if, as a church, as a movement, we were committed to making disciples and we let God build His church? Remember, He says in His Word, 
I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Right? I will build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. What that means is we can storm the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not stop us from plundering everything that the devil has tried to establish on earth in these last days. The gates are not keeping us in. They're supposed to keep us out, but they cannot, according to the Word of God. So it makes no difference what a political party might believe or try to do. It makes no difference what thought leaders in a community might try to do. If they're being used by the devil is one of his instruments or a gate, if you like, they cannot prevail against the church. Wayne says we need to pray and not be complacent. He referred us to Acts chapter 2. And you know, when you read through the book of Acts, there are so many examples of what happens when people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. When you look at Peter. Peter was the one who denied Christ three times and he, he ran away. In fact, all of the disciples deserted Jesus. I mean, they thought he was a failure. He was a failure because he was supposed to be this king. And he wound up on a cross. And then when Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit, he became one of the most effective apostles in the whole of history. Probably just alongside Paul, Peter and Paul. Peter found a boldness. And he stood up to the people that he was afraid of before and he preached to them. He even accused them of putting Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to death on the cross. So he risked death to tell the truth even. Pretty amazing. Now, I left my glasses down there so I won't read Acts 2 verses 42 to 47. But it's pretty familiar. Uh, Wayne Alcorn said there are, there are five characteristics of that early church. Five characteristics. Not necessarily in order, but here they are. The first was they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now the challenge he put out to us as pastors was to stop simply ripping something off the internet and presenting that on a Sunday morning. Now I don't know how often that happens. I don't know who he had in mind when he said that. I've got no idea. I've got no idea. But it certainly pulled me up because I don't always spend, a lot of pastors I know simply write out a whole day in their schedule that, and they spend that whole day working on their presentation for Sunday morning. Now I, I don't do that and, and, and partly that's a personality thing, it's the way I'm wired. It, it's forming in my mind for days and days and days and usually on a Saturday I'll spend anywhere between four and six hours actually 
as it were, putting it down on paper because it's been rattling around in my brain. So I, I work a little bit differently. But I think there's a big challenge here. You see, as your pastor, I'm supposed to be hearing from God, not just telling you what I, without acknowledging it, by the way, not just telling you something I saw on a YouTube video from Sid Roth or whatever, right? Now, today, of course, I'm doing exactly that. I'm simply reporting what our leaders have said, but that's not something that I normally do. What he's saying, we need to be committed to bringing fresh teaching to our people, but based on the truth. The whole thing about the apostles' teaching was it was based on their own personal knowledge of Jesus because they walked with him or, as it were, first first or second-hand experience, not all of the apostles had been walking with Jesus or knew him personally. But if, if, if you need to go to the truth, go find out what, what did the apostles teach. In other words, what's written in the epistles? And what did Jesus say? That's where the truth is. And God will give us fresh revelation, but he certainly won't do that. If, if, if we pastors don't put the time into hearing from him, to, we, we, can, we can do it all formulaically and it might even be reasonably enjoyable, but it doesn't get to the heart of God. And, and I would hope that we would be a church that actually follows the heart of God and hears from God and, and follows him as he leads us into our destiny as part of the body of Christ. So we need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching. The second is fellowship. And you see, in the, the early church, there were two primary uh, loci of fellowship. One was the temple, and the other was each other's homes. So if you want to bring that into sort of 21st century, one is that the assembly, when we come together, Right, And then what we call connect groups, or some people would call them home groups. And I would encourage you to meet in one another's home. Invite somebody to come and have a meal with you, or, or invite someone to have coffee with you. See, both are important. We, we can't really thrive if we just do one and not the other. Right? So one of the main purposes of coming together, yes, corporate worship, um, teaching, to, to, to learn from the Word of God. Hopefully your pastor is a pretty good teacher or at least reasonably good. And you learn something as you listen and then go away and meditate on it. But that's not enough. Because coming together for an hour and a half, a couple of hours on a Sunday morning, you don't build relationships that way. You don't build friendships that way. You do it by being in one another's company. So it's both in the temple and in the homes. Both are important. The third one, and I was really tickled by this, is communion. And, and as you know, right from the start, we've really felt strongly motivated to share in communion every week. We don't do it absolutely every week because we don't want to become like religious about it, but and so there are some weeks when we don't do it. Sometimes for pragmatic reasons, like we couldn't get hold of 
the um, pre-field pre communion cups and so on uh, during this COVID period. But, but we're committed to communion. And, and Wayne Alcorn is saying, you know what? We, we need to rethink. A, a lot of Pentecostal churches do communion once a month or once every six weeks. I think he's challenged. We need to be to rethink our whole attitude towards the communion. And as you know, we've been encouraging take communion at home. What about Liam's testimony? Yeah, that was right? So Prayer and communion, then came healing. And, and when Jeanette and I take communion, we, we pray for healing. Don't you worry about that. And Jesus said, do this until I come. Because apart from anything else, we're making a prophetic statement. You know, that the prophetic statement, what's happening spiritually when we take communion is we're saying, yes, we know, we know the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We know that power because that's the power that is currently at work on our behalf. They should have got me to do these presentations, eh? That's all right. I, I've got no ambition to be a state or national president, I can promise you. Prime Minister, yes, no. <laughs> Dictator, maybe. <laughs> Fourth, a kingdom culture. Let's build a kingdom culture. The, the kingdom culture is quite counter to the culture around us because the kingdom culture is all about giving preference to others. It's about submitting one to another. It's about not looking to big note ourselves, but to promote other people. It's a culture which is driven by love. Love of God, love of neighbour, love our neighbours as we love ourselves. And Jesus even said, I'll give you a new commandment. Love one another. That's agape love. That's a kind of a brotherly or fatherly love. And, and, and actually, ultimately, people can't resist love. The proper kind of love. The God kind of love. They can't resist it. That's God's secret weapon or secret plan, if you like, for salvation of the world. So we need to do everything that we can to build a kingdom culture. And essentially a kingdom culture is a culture that removes self as the main player. Finally, prayer. And again, remember he's speaking to pastors. This is what he said. He said, do it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just teach on it. Do it. And I feel quite convicted about that. Because I'm telling you now, I don't, I don't think I pray enough. And, and I, I, I have felt convicted in recent times to pray for you. I don't pray for you people enough. And so I, I need to make time to pray for you, to pray for Ignite Life Church, to pray for the community of the Gold Coast. Do it. Don't just talk about it. Don't just teach on it. Actually, do it. Perhaps one of my weaknesses is that I've always been a theory man. <laughs> 
as an academic, I've always been oriented towards theory, not so much the practice, but perhaps with prayer, one of the keys is not just to talk about it, but to actually do it. So that, that's one thing. So next time you see me, you can help keep me accountable and ask me, have you been praying lately? <laughs> so there you have it. Um, it was a great, great conference. Um, unfortunately, of course, they had to restrict the numbers of people attending. Um, it was very well done, and I thought those two messages from John Hunt, the state president, and Wayne Alcorn, our national president, they were really for our time. And although they were directed towards us as pastors, I think there's a lot of uh, what they spoke about which is applicable in congregations as well. And uh, as leaders, we need to make sure that we keep digging into God, we keep remaining fresh, we keep our orientation outward and not inward, and that we pray. Well, I do want to spend just a few minutes talking about the election. Now, as you may be aware, voting actually opens tomorrow. So as from tomorrow, you can do an early vote, or you can do a postal vote as well. And um, the Electoral Commission is actually encouraging people to vote early. And I think for the first time ever, on the Saturday before the official date of the election, those pre-polling booths are going to be open all day Saturday from, I think, 9am in the morning until 5pm at night. So it's like a mini-election day. So, you know, so sometime over the next couple of weeks, all of us, as long as we've you know, got the right citizenship and the right age and everything. Old enough. Yeah, yeah, the right age and got the right citizenship, we'll be voting. Now, I've got a short video here from Dave Hello. I showed a video of his before the federal election as well. Now, why I want to show you this particular video is that it explains our system of compulsory preferential voting really, really well. We really need to understand how the preferential voting system works. Many of us are used to an optional preferential voting system. In the old days, before the current Labor government came to power, you could just vote one and not worry about any preferences below that. Now, Labor fairly quickly changed the legislation and we, we now have what a, it's a compulsory preferential voting system, which means you, if you have seven candidates in your electorate, you've got to number your preferences from one down to number seven. And depending on how many votes the person sort of in the lead gets, your preferences may not be exhausted until you get right down to the last preference. And so the way you vote can matter a lot. Anyway, 